Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lackadar Podcast. We are very glad you decided to join us today. Our hope here at Lackadar is that we are more than a podcast, not because of us, but because of God, and that we strive to bring glory to Him because that's the only place where glory is deserved, and that the listeners either come to know Christ if they don't, or built up in their walk with Christ. With that being said, of course, Lackadar does not need to be a substitute for your church body. We pray that you're plugged into a church body and are not letting Lackadar be a substitute for that. But hopefully, Lackadar is helping you in your daily walk. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on our social media pages, which are in the episode description. We hope you enjoy the episode and God uses it. Thank you so much for tuning in today, tonight, whatever time of day you might be listening to this. We're very thankful for you taking the time out of your day to listen to this. And as this is just a few days before Christmas, we hope you are having an amazing Christmas season. But before we get into the finishing of the Christmas study, well, not the finishing, next week will be the finishing, but in progressing through the Christmas study, we will go ahead and say a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and I just thank you for all that you've done for us, Jesus. And as we're remembering you being on the cross and raising from the dead today, that we're going to talk about some things, God, that happened that you did for us, and we thank you for that. Help us to never forget that, God, and to always, always be thankful and just remember what was done for us and that we didn't deserve it, but you did it. Help us to love each other and love you more every day. Help me to speak the words you would have me to speak and not my own. Just please, if there's someone listening that doesn't know you, that they would come to. And again, not through anything I've said, but through something that you've said through me. Just please help us to be a time where you're built up built up above anyone else, God. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Alright. So as you heard, we are, we are continuing the Christmas study last well, the first one we talked about sin, why we why we have the need for this man named Jesus. Then we talked about some prophecies that were fulfilled, prophecies that were spoken about this man who is who was to come named Jesus. Then we talked about his birth last week. And today we're going to talk about his crucifixion and resurrection. And I've said this in the past of why we're talking about this. And then next week, just a little spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about the second coming. Not going to go too deep into that, just a broad overview of the second coming. As kind of today is a broad overview of the crucifixion and resurrection to fit them in one episode. And very interesting. Because if Jesus... Every part of Jesus' story is amazing and should be remembered every day of our lives. Not just around Christmas time and not just around Easter time. But the birth is amazing in and of itself. But we also remember what Jesus did. Why he came in the in the virgin's womb to be born 
in Bethlehem, like we talked about last week. So without any further ado, we're kind of just going to hit some high points of the Christmas story. Or not Christmas story, I'm sorry, the uh, crucifixion and resurrection account. We're going to hit some high points of that, and then that'll be it. Don't know, this episode might be a little bit more lengthy than normal, but it's okay. So the first thing we're going to talk about is found in Matthew 27, 26 through 31. And we're going to kind of hop around a little bit back and forth between uh, Matthew, Luke, and John. Not a whole, not anything in Mark. Nothing against the Gospel of Mark. Just going to do a lot from Matthew, Luke, and John. So first thing, Matthew 27, 26 through 31. Then he released, this he is Pilate. Released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Scourging is was a leather whip that had pieces of bone and metal on it that they would hold that Jesus' arms would have been risen above his head, and he would have been whipped with this scourging device, and it would have torn off the flesh and exposed organs and things such as that. But little background of what had just happened. Jesus and this criminal named Barabbas were up. Kind of. A criminal was released every year around this time. And Pilate said, which one do you want to release? They chose Barabbas. The one who actually deserved to be crucified. They wanted him released. They wanted Jesus crucified. But then, after the scorching. So after he's been whipped and humiliated and beaten to a pulp. We see this. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the then the sol, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, "Hail, King of the Jews!" And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head, and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe. And put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. So they mocked Jesus. They made him, they were doing these things to make him a, quote, king. Even though they didn't realize that he was the king. They were trying to mock him saying, oh, you're the king. Let's give you this, this, this. They were giving him all these things to mock him. But kind of like picking on him for saying he was the king and giving him flimsy little things, dressing him up as a king, but humiliating him in that. This was the savior of the world, the one who created those people that were mocking him and scourging him. And he let this happen. He let it happen for us so that we could be saved. We would not have to die. We wouldn't have to die and go to hell. We wouldn't have to do sacrifices because of Jesus. And not only that, he's on the cross. This is kind of the next point. This is Luke 23, 34. He's hanging on the cross, being just tortured and humiliated even further because this is the worst form of punishment you could have and the Romans were geniuses at it. They knew how to do it better than anybody else. And besides the physical pain, it was the pain of... Sorry, I just completely lost my train of thought. It was the pain of being humiliated. A criminal's death. Most likely Jesus didn't have clothes on when this was happening. This is Passover. All of these Jews are here watching this. It's just brutal. 
And then this is found in Luke 23, 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. So as they were making fun of him, casting lots to divide his garments, crucifying him, he says, Father, forgive them. This is the Romans who, the Romans, I read something in my studying for this. The Romans didn't do anything wrong. Well, the Romans did. They crucified the Savior. They crucified an innocent man. The Romans had no clue who this was. The Jews didn't know, didn't believe that he was the Son of God. But the Romans were doing their job. Yes, it was wrong to crucify innocent people. And yes, it was, of course, wrong to crucify the innocent Son of God. But the Romans, they didn't they didn't care who he was. They were doing what their boss told them. The Jews were the ones that had him crucified. The people that are supposed to be the religious elite, the people that are supposed to be God's people were the ones that had him crucified. A lot of times I feel like we place place a lot of the blame on the Romans when the Romans were doing their job. Yes, it was wrong to crucify Jesus. One hundred percent. And I'm not taking I'm not taking up for the Romans. I'm just saying sometimes we need to remember that we can be at fault. Because we're the reason Jesus was on the cross, because of our sin. And the Jews were the ones that had him on the cross. The Romans were indifferent about it. But Jesus is still saying, forgive them. Forgive the ones that are driving the nails in my hand. That would be the Romans. And forgive the ones that are screaming for this to happen, and the ones that are encouraging this to happen. In our terms, Jesus is literally praying for their salvation. Because you can only be forgiven when you're saved. So Jesus is praying for their salvation while he's on the cross. Now, does it give them an excuse that they don't know what they're doing? Absolutely not. Because people, just because they don't know what they're doing, they're still sinning. The Romans, the Jews, everybody. Even us, when we don't know we're sinning, we're still sinning. Like, for instance, people in a third world country that have never heard the gospel, when they, if they do one sin, which they will because they're human, they're going to die and go to hell. That's why we need to share the gospel. But that's a different subject for a different day. But he's, he's literally praying for their salvation. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On the cross, the thing he is dying for, he's asking that these people would inherit. And you might ask yourself, well, would God have not given them salvation if, they, if Jesus had not prayed that? No, he would have. But it's just Jesus practicing the love of your enemies that he had just talked about. Jesus showing us that he loved those people, loves us. And no, this, this one prayer did not save them. They still had to come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior on their own. With They had to come to Jesus just like we do. They had to recognize that this was the Son of God. That prayer right there did not save them, but Jesus is saying, save them, Father. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They still had to come to Jesus. They weren't automatically saved. But, do we do that? Do we, the people that we're, do we pray for salvation? And more than that, do we share the gospel? Do we, when people are doing us wrong, do we say forgive them? Do we forgive them? And I'm asking this for myself. And I think all too often the answer is no, that we don't. But Jesus has the invitation extended out to them to come into him for salvation. Whether or not they know that or not could depend on us if we're not sharing with them. 
Yes, we can pray for their, their salvation, and that's great. But if we're not doing anything about it, if we're not trying to actively share the gospel, then what are we doing? So yes, let's pray for people's salvation, but let's also get out there and do it. Share the gospel and tell them Jesus is waiting. Jesus has already extended the invitation to them. They just have to accept it. <clears throat> so Jesus is praying for their salvation. And you know what? That happens. Luke 23, 39-43. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, justly, for, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, he being Jesus, said to him, Truly I say to you, to, truly I say to you today you will be with me in paradise. Another example. This is found in Matthew 27, 54. When the centurion and those who were with him, the centurion is the head Roman soldier, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. That's right after the crucifixion when things are, when the earthquake is happening. We'll talk about something that happened because of that earthquake, or during that earthquake here in a second. But two pivotal people in the account of the crucifixion, the centurion, and one of the thieves were crucified, or were saved, right there. We believe the Roman soldier's been saved because he recognizes this is the Son of God. We believe that he went on for salvation after that moment. But two people got saved. Just a few short days later, probably a little more than a month later. We know a little more than a month later at Pentecost. Thousands of people get saved, some of whom, no doubt, were here. So Jesus' prayer for salvation is answered. In some degree, no, some of them, of course, did not get saved. But how amazing is that? That while Jesus was completing the need, the task for salvation, the reason we have salvation, two people got saved. And then 3,000 shortly following that. How amazing is that? We also see in John 19, well, John 19, 31 through 37. Sorry, I had to turn in my Bible. It says this, and I did not have my bookmark in the right place. John 19, 31 through 37. No, sorry. John 19, 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. One quick thing about that. Well, actually, two quick things. We'll talk about one in a little more detail. He gave up his spirit. Jesus freely gave up his life. They did not kill him. He gave up his life to die for us. He was fully God. Fully man. No one could have killed him. Yes, he was fully dead. We know that. Because that's what makes the resurrection so awesome. But he gave up his life. That's how much Jesus cares about us. And so too often we either, A, just ignore salvation in general, don't care anything about this, 
We keep it. We we hear it. We keep it for ourselves. We hear. We act accordingly. Or act accordingly by not saying we make him the Lord of our lives. And then we just keep it to ourselves. No, this is news that needs to be shared. And I fall so short of this. But Jesus gave up his life for us. He went through all of this. Everything we've been talking about. The scourging. The mocking. The crucifying. And while he's on the cross, he's praying, Father, forgive them. People are getting saved. And still he's saying he's giving up his life. They're not taking it from him. That's amazing. The willing, the humility, leaving the splendor of heaven to do this for us. That's amazing. But another thing, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. There's a lot that goes in these three words. Yes, Jesus' life is not finished. We know that. He comes back three short days later. Spoiler alert. And by the way, this contains, I saw a little, I'll tell you the joke later on. But, spoiler alert. Jesus ra- Jesus raises from the dead. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But, um, Jesus says it is finished. What is finished, exactly? The payment for sin is paid in full. Wages of sin is death. We know that from Romans 6.23. The penalty of sin is done. It is paid for. We don't have to pay anymore. Hebrews talks a lot about Animal sacrifices, the, the the high priestly order. We're going to talk about that a little bit in um, closing thoughts, just for a brief second. But talks about how the animal sacrifices weren't enough. All they did was kind of a, be a symbol of the forgiving of sins. And that's what they were, because you would go once a year, sacrifice sins for the past year were forgiven. If your heart was in the right place, if not, you were just sacrificing the animal for no reason. But they were kind of an outward show of the of for your forgiveness. But the animal's bloods were not the animal's blood was not good enough. Needed something more. And not something more was Jesus. He came and as the ultimate sacrifice said, It is finished. We're no longer under the penalty of sin. Yes, we sin. But we have we have a way that we can that we can get around that. There's a loophole to dying and going to hell. His name is Jesus. And he has paid the wages of sin. He paid that in full for us. There's no literally. And then one interesting thing about this word, these three words, it is finished. It's one word in the Greek, and it's tetelestai. And I'm no Greek scholar. I've not taken Greek yet in my studies. But from what I can understand, it's a word in the perfect tense, meaning that it was an action done in the past that has effects for the future. I believe that's the way it's worded. But... Tetelestai means that, yes, it was an action done in the past, but it still has effects here in the future, meaning that no other person, no other animal, no other anything has to die for our sins because they're paid for in full, meaning that people are still getting saved today because of that. It is finished. We no longer have to worry about dying and going to hell. But we have to worry about other people dying and going to hell because they don't know this message. And it's our responsibility to tell them that it is finished. They don't have to die and go to hell. And that's amazing. The penalty for sin, the punishment for sin is paid for. The suffering is over. Jesus' suffering on the cross, that's another thing it kind of means. The suffering Jesus was on the cross was over. But his life was far from over. Yes, he did die. 
that is 100% certainty for three days Jesus was dead. But he rose. And that's amazing. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But just remember, your sins are paid for in full. All you have to do is answer the Spirit's knocking on your heart and say, Yes, Lord, I want to make you the Lord of my life. You are better than my sin. I don't want to live in my sin anymore. And your sins, past, present, and future, are no longer going to send you to hell. Yes, we still ask forgiveness for our sins. Yes, we're still going to sin when He's the Lord of our life. But we don't have to die and go to hell. And other people don't have to. But they will if we don't share. So let's remember that. To tell us that it is finished. Sin's reign is over. Sin has been stopped. Remember the serpent that was going to get his head crushed? Yeah. He's seen. It's happened. But actually, right, as of right now where we're reading, the head has been, the heel has been bruised. But here in a short few moments, we're going to talk about the head being stomped. Real quick, one other thing I want to read. It's from John 19, 31 through 37. And this is just real quick. Since it was the day of preparation, big Jewish holiday with Passover, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So they didn't want these three dead bodies, or three bodies, decaying on these crosses. And it was really, you really weren't supposed to leave a body anytime overnight, from a well, passage in Deuteronomy talks about that. But... So they're going to break their legs so that they, their breathing is hindered and they basically suffocate. So the soldiers came to break, their to break the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him, him being Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Pretty cool. I'm going to keep reading and then I'll come back to that. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. John's basically saying, I saw this. I'm putting my stamp of approval on it. It's real. But these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, the scripture says, they will look on him, him on whom they have pierced. We do that. We look to, for salvation. We look upon the one who was pierced. They did that. When he was on the cross, the soldiers looked up because the cross would have been a little bit higher than them. But he was so human, yet so full of God, that he had no blood left to bleed and water came out just to show his humanity. But in his humanity, we can't forget that he was fully God. And there was a heresy, going, many heresies going around at the time of John writing this, and he wanted to prove that, hey, he was fully man and fully God. But... Another very important thing about this, we talked about it with the prophecies. A prophecy is fulfilled that no bones would be broken. The, the Passover lamb in Exodus. This is happening at Passover time, just like that was. And the legs of Jesus were not broken because he was already dead. How amazing is that? Not that Jesus was dead, but that the, the, the prophecy is fulfilled that no bones would be broken. That's really amazing. And that's just another reason for you. If you're struggling with this, you're saying, I just don't believe this Jesus guy. How, how, how can that not be true in these prophecies? And then there's prophecies about the lots being cast that we didn't talk about. And so many others just being made, mocked, 
And then this prophecy of they will look on him whom they have pierced. That's a prophecy. So if you're still in your unbelief and you're still saying, I just don't believe there's a way this can happen. Let me tell you, there's no... We talked about this with the prophecies. You would To do this, for this to be true, for someone to make all of these prophecies, you would have to cover the state of Texas, I forget how many times, but it's a lot, in quarters, and finding... Even if it's one, that's still a lot of quarters. And finding the one quarter that you marked. There's no way that, that one person could fulfill this if it wasn't for God, if he wasn't the God, if he wasn't the Messiah. And we know that he is. But if you're still a little unsure, let me help you with that. John 20, verses 1 through 10. I debated between Matthew and John, but I chose John. They're very, very, very similar. John adds one more detail that I think is quite possibly one of the most comical verses in the whole Bible. And that may or may not have been part of the reason I chose John. But it says this, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Other Gospels, and this is not a contradiction by any means, John probably just doesn't include this part. Very simple way to round that. Um, Jesus Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and the ladies that were with her. In that time, no one would have appeared to a woman. Like, if you were trying to make a credible story, you wouldn't have appeared to a woman because they didn't count her as a credible witness. So if you're, if, they were, if, the, if Peter and John were trying to make this story up, that this Jesus guy had risen from the dead, they would have been the first two to see. They would have been the one, first ones to see that the stone was rolled away. But they weren't. That's how you know the story isn't made up. But continuing, continuing on. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Just in case you're wondering, that other disciple happens to be John, who is writing this book. I've always found it hilarious that he he had to be sure to include that he made it to the tomb first. But and Peter came along a little bit after. <clears throat> oh, this is verse five. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. John doesn't go in. Some people say it was in deference to Peter because Peter was kind of like the lead disciple. I don't know. Maybe John was a little bit more nervous to go in there by himself. Who knows? But John doesn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. That's it's a very like Peter thing to do. You know, Peter's always never scared of anything, just jumps in, does it. I think that might be part of the reason John knew Peter was going to go in there. But uh, he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths but folded up in its place, in a place by itself. So one thing is that um, Jesus, the, the cloth was folded. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. The cloth was folded. If there had been a grave, a grave robber, or if there was a thought at that time that um, maybe the coolness of the cave resuscitated Jesus. No. If those things were true, grave robber or Jesus being somehow resuscitated from the dampness of the cave, 
he wouldn't, the grave robbers nor Jesus, would have taken the time to fold up the cloth. And another cool thing is that when a cloth was folded up by a king, it meant he was coming back. It's pretty cool, kind of a segue into next week. But Jesus has been resurrected. We know that to be certain. And there's no other way the stone could have been rolled except by God. So, this verse 7, and we read that about the face cloth being folded. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, says it a second time, also went in and saw and believed. For yet they did not, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So, they didn't quite understand that, this, that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They didn't understand it yet, but they believed it. Then the disciples went back to their homes, no doubt telling people. How amazing is that? If you go on to read, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, the disciples, Thomas, so many other different people. How cool is that? I think it's pretty cool. So, with that being said, Jesus is resurrected. Jesus was crucified for you and I, and he rose from the dead. Something we need to remember, and we need to share that with other people. Sorry, my pen dropped. But we need to share that with other people. So, maybe this Christmas season, you know someone in your family, or you have a friend that you're going to be spending time with, that they're not saved. They don't know the mystery of the gospel. They don't know that Jesus has been crucified and rose from the dead. Use this Christmas time to share that. Say, hey, you know the real meaning of Christmas. This guy named Jesus came. Tell him the Christmas story. Born of a virgin. Miraculous birth. Then he came. Died a horrific death and rose from the dead three days later. To be the Lord of your life. And he wants to be the Lord of your life. All you have to do is say, I want you more than sin in my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe in the crucifixion and resurrection. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. And maybe you're that person. Maybe you've believed. Please reach out to someone. Reach out to me. Reach out to someone you know who is a believer. Tell someone. Yeah. So, with that being said, we're going to move into closing. We're going to say a prayer and move into closing thoughts. And yeah. So, dear Lord, I thank you for this day. And I thank you just so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. And that he rose from the dead for our sins. That he didn't have to. That he gave up his life willingly. That he has so much humility, God, all the way through his life. And we thank you for that. Thank you for salvation. Help us to remember that this Christmas season and to share it with any unbelievers we know. And to remind ourselves of it. Help us to love you, love each other more every day. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So this this kind of goes along with the segment with the study we've been doing. It's just gonna be really brief about Jesus. We didn't really talk about Jesus' life that much, and we're gonna be we're kind of doing that with the teachings of Jesus. 
but in Hebrews, and I don't remember the exact passage, I should have looked it up. I believe it's in Hebrews 4. might be Hebrews 5, though. It says that we do not have a high priest, and the high priest it talks about in Hebrews is Jesus, um, that is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus came. He was tempted. He lived a life. He got tired. He had to eat. It's not necessarily recorded, but he had to go to the bathroom because he was fully human. Jesus was fully human. You might be saying, yes, we know that. But he's able to sympathize sympathize with us. He knows what we're going through. And I say that to say this. We can turn to him. In all circumstances, we can say, Jesus, I know that you know what I'm going through. We, we, shouldn't, we don't have to be scared when we're going through these life challenges and life bad things saying oh no one understands no one understands Jesus was here he was fully man he understands what we go through and I guarantee you there's someone else in your life that does understand so pray pray about these things say God I'm struggling with this and I don't understand God I'm just to use a human term God I'm so tired I'm physically tired and exhausted please help me Jesus knows that Jesus took a nap on the boat so Jesus understands us. That's another just amazing thing. Does that mean, oh, he understands when we sin? No. He understands when we're tempted, when we're strengthening through that and leaning on him. Does, does that give us an excuse to sin? Absolutely not. Jesus knows the struggles that we're going through because he went through them himself. And yes, it's a little, you say, oh, it's a little bit different now. Yes, it is, because we have this, that, and the other that Jesus didn't have at his time, like technology, all that stuff. But Jesus was a man who was able to sympathize with our weaknesses of being tired, of having to eat, of all of these things. So pray. Say, Jesus, I don't understand why this is happening. Don't, don't act like you have a God that can't sympathize with you. No other God on the planet can, but ours can. Because he lived died and rose from the dead how amazing is that nothing we do escapes notice and nothing we do he, he can't help us through let's remember that that's all I have to say about that so remember the crucifixion and the resurrection remember that Jesus lived a life a human life very similar to ours and that whatever we're going through we can pray about and we can talk to him about it. he understands he's also all knowing so he understands as well but he's lived it firsthand. Let's remember that. Let's tell other people that. So I don't think I have anything else. But we have one more episode this year. And as I kind of told you earlier, it's going to be about the second coming. Not anything too deep. Just a broad overview. And yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Bracelets, pop sockets, and stickers. They're no charge to you. As I say around the Christmas season, you know, makes great stocking stuffers. This is the last episode before Christmas, so if you would like one, you gotta let me know pretty quick. And also, t-shirts, those are $20 to you. Those also make great gifts, just saying. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say. So, oh, testimony episodes. If you, someone you know, want, want to be on a testimony episode, please let us know. And the joke I was going to tell you earlier, I just thought about it. When I said spoiler alert, that reminded me of a joke I saw earlier in this week, or last week sometime, that it's a Babylon Bee, I don't think I've talked about it on here before, the satire news said that the new Bibles are, be, Bibles are now being sold with a sticker on it that says, warning, 
this contains spoilers for the hit show The Chosen. I thought that was very funny because you know, The Chosen is a story about Jesus' life. If you read the Bible, you're going to get a spoiler. Spoiler alert. Jesus raises from the dead. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Hope that made you laugh. If not, sorry I wasted a few seconds of podcast time for that. But maybe it did. Yeah. So let me know if you want to be on the podcast or someone you know would or you would like a, like a, um, some of our merchandise. We would love to get that in your hands. I don't think I have anything else. So I hope you have an amazing Christmas, spending time with family and friends. And remember what this Christmas season's about. So I love you guys. Hope you have a great week. Go point to the point. Goodbye.